Hi, everybody. I'm Karen Hartglass, and you are listening to It's All About Food. Today, we have two guests joining us, Darcy Blue, a health coach, and Gigi Carter, a certified nutritionist. Together, they created Healthy for My Purpose, a program birthed during the pandemic to address the impact of comorbidities and the disproportionate number of COVID-19 deaths in the Black community. Healthy for My Purpose is made up of several programs and resources designed to help Christians take care of their health. It includes Healthy Christian Woman Boot Camp, Daniel Fast, a bridge to healthy living four-week program, Daniel's Plate Recipe website, and the Healthy for My Purpose podcast. And there's a lot more on them, but I'm going to let them speak for themselves. Welcome, both of you, Cersei and Gigi. Hi, welcome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I didn't know anything about you, and I'm (laughs) excited to learn a lot more. I really appreciate this program that you've created. One of the most frustrating things that occurred during the pandemic, which isn't over yet. Yeah. (laughs) But the the thing that was most problematic was that our government did nothing about talking about nutrition as a prevention. And we learned that the people that were most affected were those with comorbidities. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we wouldn't have had a pandemic if yeah. everybody was eating a healthy whole food plant diet. That's just my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, thank we, you we... for being there and filling this need. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we felt the same. Um, and that's actually how Cersei and I came together. We had this kind of shared radical empathy around it when we started seeing the statistics of people, you know, dying or having complications from COVID and the hospitals filling up and running out of ventilators and setting up, you know, um, facilities outside of the facility, you know, you saw the parking lot with the tent and, you know, it just got really insane. And we're like, Hey, it doesn't have to be this way. If we got rid of the disease, this wouldn't be happening. And, um, and that's actually how our paths crossed, um, because of that. So, um, I don't know, would Uh, you like, go ahead. I just wanted to say that I live in Queens, New York, and it was the epicenter in the beginning of the pandemic. So, you know, I know all about the Every, all the tents and things that they created just to take care of the huge influx of people needing tremendous care. Did you want to continue? Gigi, yeah. Something? Yeah. Tell us how we met. You go ahead. Yeah. Yes, just, please. I'll, I'll dive into that because this is this is the interesting thing. Um, I'm in Washington state, state, so I'm way in the Pacific Northwest. I'm so close to Canada. I mean, I hate to say it, but I could see it from where I live. <laughs> it's that close. Mm-hmm. And um, and Cersei's in the opposite end of the country. She's in South Georgia, near Florida, like right on the border of Florida and Georgia. And um, and what happened was when we started, when I started reading the statistics, and you know, I felt compelled to write a blog article. So I engaged um, um, a lady who was helping me with my blog at the time to to help kind of create an article around this topic. And, um, and it was really targeting the black community and specifically because when, when you heard the news reports and you heard some of the politicians coming out, they were making the claim that 
the reason why more black people were affected by COVID was because they were in higher risk jobs. That was kind of the rationale for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a study done out of Rush University, um, you know, later in 2020, but um, it was, it was talked about Dr. Kim, Kim Williams, who you, I'm sure, you know, yeah, love he, him. Yep. I love him too. <laughs> um, he, um, he wrote a, you know, he was a part of a paper and shared some data that it was absolutely disease risk based. So it wasn't just because if you're black, you're more at risk. It had nothing to do with the race component. It was just that more black people had a chronic illness or comorbidity. And that's why they were being affected the most um, during the pandemic. And so when we when I published this article on my blog, the lady who was helping me um, was reaching out to different podcasts to try to get the message out, you know, because it, it this was kind of like needless deaths, you know, that's the way I was viewing it. And um, and she came across Cersei Blue, um, who at the time uh, was uh, called the faithful vegan. She's still the faithful vegan. I think she'll, uh, Cersei, I think you'll always be the faithful vegan. <laughs> and so um, she reached out and Cersei invited me onto her podcast and we had a really good conversation. And in the course of that conversation, um, I felt connected, you know, learning more about her to have her on my YouTube channel. And so, you know, she came onto my YouTube channel and then I wanted to write a blog based on her story. And then that's kind of what mm -hmm. the cascade of events just kind of kept going. And then we ended up partnering. I'll stop here and let Cersei kind of <laughs> chime in here. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll start, I guess I'll just go ahead and start with my story of how we kind of came to this and, and just how we kind of narrowed in on a niche, even within the Black community, because we realized, um, you know, the Black community is so diverse, but we saw even a, a special need even within that, that we were able to serve. And so I'll just start with my story and then I'll circle back to that. Um, but for me, my journey um, started back with my journey when in my last trimester of my pregnancy, I was actually diagnosed with high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. um, and so at the time, I didn't really realize how serious blood pressure was. You know, my mom had it, my grandmother had it. So it just seemed like, okay, well, I just had high blood pressure. And, and I didn't realize that pregnant women who have high blood pressure are at a higher risk for complications before, during, or after their delivery. And this is actually even higher for African-American women. And so I had a complication during my delivery and uh, my son ended up losing oxygen to his brain. Um, and so for the first year of his life, he was a special needs baby where he wasn't able to um, drink on his own. So he had a feeding tube and some other um, 24 hour care basically around the clock that we had to take care of him. Um, and then shortly after his first birthday, he passed away due to complications. Oh because of all of the complications and stuff like that. And so I wasn't you, aware of that. I'm sorry. Yeah. And okay. you keep telling your story. Yeah. That's brave. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, and so you could imagine, you know, because it was a trauma for the whole year leading up to it. And then obviously upon his death, that was trauma on top of trauma. And so as you could imagine, that was like the lowest point at that point of my life. Um, so I think, you know, at that point I had, you know, the, your my depression, um, just, you know, at that point, even with food, I would think I was eating more emotional eating more of, of quote unquote, the standard American diet, but probably even worse, like more processed things and things like that. Um, and so I was just at this very low place. And um, at the time, you know, I was a woman of faith. I was a Christian woman. And so I had support from my family, my friends. Of course, I was still praying and I was still in a community. Um, but that was just that dark time with that trauma. And so just out of the blue, a friend of mine, said to me, hey, I'm going to be doing the Daniel fast. Um, do you want to join me? And at the time I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm kind of in a rut here. I'm just trying to do my own thing, you know. And for those of you who are not aware of what the Daniel fast is, it's something that mm -hmm. churches do around the world. Um, usually they do it in January. And what it is, it's based on the book of Daniel, where um, Daniel was asked to eat the king's diet, which was basically... We, we call it the standard American diet because it was filled with cheese and meats and wines. And Daniel basically stated that, um, you know what, I'm not going to eat the king's diet, but if you just give me 10 days, all I'm going to do is eat plants. And if you and if I'm not as strong as the other men, then I'll go ahead and eat the king's diet because they were training these men to be, you know, the physically elite in this in this state here with the king's palace. And so he said, OK, go ahead. He did the, the, the plant based diet for 10 days and Daniel and his friends were 10 times healthier than the people that were eating the king's diet. And so the church collectively was inspired by this whole concept and said, hey, we're going to eat whole food, plant-based, no preservatives, no, um, you know, any sugar, added sugars or caffeines and all of these other things. And we're going to do the Daniel fast um, every January to kind of do this reset. And the church has been doing this year after year. So basically it's a whole food plant-based diet. But of course you add in, um, there's prayer and, and meditation and community and things like that all wrapped into that bundle, okay? So here I am, I said, okay. So I was like, well, I'll do it with you, but I'm going to add eggs and I'll add some cheese. Because I was just thinking of trying to make this as comfortable as possible for myself, you know, <laughs> in the middle of what I was going through, I felt I still needed certain comforts. And so she said, listen, if you're going to do this Daniel fast with me, you're going to have to do exactly the way it's designed. And in that moment, I just remember really arresting me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this Daniel fast exactly the way it's designed. And so I jumped full steam ahead in it. Um, I did it exactly. I didn't week it in any way. And um, within like weeks, I can't even tell you if it's three weeks or a month, my blood pressure was regulated. I lost weight. I had mental and spiritual clarity. And um, my depression was gone. Like everything just opened up in that short period of time. And I was like, what had just happened here? So I'm thinking, am I an anomaly that I just have a a miracle, you know, like, or, or what's going on. And so I started to do a little more research and I, um, I kind of started to do some research and I realized, wait a minute, a whole food plant-based diet is the only diet 
that has ever been um, proven to reverse heart disease and help with diabetes and and weight loss and high blood pressure and, and so many and cancer, certain cancers and all these different ailments. And I was like, wait a minute, this wasn't a, a miracle in that sense, but it was a divine alignment that what Daniel was doing in the Bible with eating just plants to edify himself was actually um matched what the science was saying in modern times. And so I went on this journey to help women of faith um, connect their food to their faith. Like there was this connection there. And so to circle it back to where Gigi was talking about the Black community, we saw this gap within the space because we were reading a study and it was saying 80% of Black women find faith important to them and use it to make important decisions in their lives. And I said, wait a minute, there is a, a, a connection here. If Black women are using faith to make decisions about jobs and marriage and um, personal decisions, what about if they started to use their faith to make decisions about their health? And so we started on this journey to help women realize that, wait a minute, your faith actually your eating healthy is actually a spiritual practice. And if you align them both, not only are you going to elevate spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, but you're going to actually um, be living out your faith on a higher level. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant. And I've often said that churches and other religious communities mm -hmm. are the best place to educate about healthy diet, because it really aligns with all of the principles mm -hmm. in life mm -hmm. to take care of ourselves and each other and the planet. And then yeah. I, I ask myself, well, what happened? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because right. there are plenty of references in the, in the Bible that tell us to eat fruits and vegetables. Yes, yes, yes. Genesis and so, 129. <laughs> and yeah. Exactly. And yeah. And there's this Daniel fast. Why aren't people doing the Daniel fast all year? Once they do it, don't they feel great? Don't they yeah. want to continue feeling great? What's the disconnect yeah. there? Do you have What's any idea? Yeah. And Cersei's, Cersei's story, I mean, this was over 11 years ago when this happened. So she, she did the Daniel fast once one last time I should say and never look back and just made it a lifestyle and that's actually why we wrote this book Daniel Fast why you should only do it once um, because we we see a need in the in the church in the Christian community um, because you know 70 percent uh, over 70 percent of evangelical Christians um, have one or more chronic diseases and that's greater than the uh, general population. So there's a disproportionately higher number specifically within the church community. And, um, you know, we just think it's absolutely ridiculous to do this for three weeks and then go back to the standard American diet that's causing all this sickness that's, you know, it's a financial impact. It, it shortens lifespan, health span, of course, and um, really, you know, puts people in a position of dependency um, that is 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 not, you know, is not obviously advantageous for for anybody um, within the medical system. And so this book was is really a book with some pretty candid, you know, 
candid conversation in it um, for for people of faith. And um, it's really equipped with, you know, why you should only do it once and gives you additional resources like a journal and some recipes. And so we're really excited to be getting this out into the world. And I think one other thing, um, and Cersei, I, I, you've, you've mentioned this before, but Dr. Greger has said that the Daniel fast was the first clinical trial <laughs> to support a plant-based oh, diet. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, Michael Greger is a very entertaining person. He Not does. only is he brilliant, but he does everything with humor. Yeah. Yes, he does. So this is a book that's coming out very soon. What's the release date? Uh, it's It'll be released September 8th. Um, so just in a, you know, from the time we're recording this in another week or so. And um and it will be available on all online book retailers, of course, Amazon and Barnes and Noble and others. Um, but we're super excited because it does combine both scripture as well as science. Um, so we do reference a lot of different studies to support the claims that we're making in this book. Um, we've gotten endorsements from Dr. Furman, Dr. Joel Furman, as well as Dr. Neil Barnard. And, um, and as well as people, you know, in the church community. So we are super excited to be getting this out into the world and really hope um, and pray that it helps people, you know, extend and improve the quality of their lives. I hope it sells as many books as the Bible. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's a tall order. That's a tall order. So a... <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't read it, but I'm going to say I think it's a better book because of the message. You mentioned Dr. Joel Furman. He's a friend of mine, a colleague, and you may be familiar with one of his books, Fast Food Genocide, How Processed Food is Killing Us and What mm -hmm. We Can Do About It, which he co-authored yeah. with Robert Phillips. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I read it five, six years ago, so I may be a little off, but I remember him talking about the health of African-Americans, especially those that were brought into slavery <laughs> and saying how they were likely to be healthier and stronger <laughs> than their white counterparts. And yet it was made to believe through culture that they weren't. And it had to do with what they were being fed. And this has continued with the standard American diet and food deserts and, and poor access to healthy food. So th these diseases and these comorbidities are not natural. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and the study that I mentioned earlier about the COVID-19 complications and death, when um, you dig into the details of that study, um, when you you know, when you isolate, you know, when you, you know, when you're looking at other confounding factors around like education and, and all of that income level, um, it, it was actually showing that the survival rate of black people is actually higher for COVID than white people. Um, but because you, you know, when you take into consideration the confound and when you take into consideration the comorbidities, then it obviously switches. But, you know, when you look at the traditional African diet, you know, you're talking like lentils and beans and vegetables and, you know, mm -hmm. plants, you're talking about a predominantly plant-based diet. And, mm -hmm. um, and so when you look at our food environment here, 
Um, it's very much designed to get black people sick and keep them sick. They don't want them dead, but the, you know, if they could keep them sick, you know, it, it, it creates an economic system of recurring revenue stream in multiple places. So, yeah. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm going to say it again. I think you're doing a wonderful thing and I would like your book to sell out and as many as, as the Bible has sold. It should be like a, for people that are buying the Bible, they should get this <laughs> yeah. book with it. I don't know that type, like, like a, yeah. like an add-on. Or maybe, no, I don't how about, to compete. <laughs> this is a book that should be in all yes. hotels, right? Yes. In the little nightstand. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just like putting these things out to the universe. Yes, yes, yes. But I, but I think what, what you're really trying to say is, as um, you know, in, in the faith community, our health should be part of this, you know, paradigm that we're trying to seek to elevate, you know, like a lot of times we focus so much on our spiritual and our emotional health, but a lot of times we forget that our spirit, our physical bodies, what we put into our mouths, how we treat the environment, all of these things are, are spiritual practices. Yeah. And if we are not aligning that we can be so completely out of alignment and check out what happens. Number one, you lack the spiritual and mental clarity. So you're not even really functioning at that level that you could be. Um, and then two, a lot of times you find that because we're dying early or we don't have the energy or we lack, we are unable to really fulfill our God given purpose here on earth the way we should. And so what we're doing is that we're actually hijacking God's mission in our lives when we're not healthy. And so by doing the Daniel Fines Bones, by getting the message out to the church that, listen, getting healthy is a part of God's mission. It's about you won't be equipped to do all of the wonderful goodness that God has endowed in people to do across this earth if they're sick, if they're cutting their life short, if they're getting a heart attack at 45 and they had so many things to do until the age of 90, there's that 45 year of a mission lost. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that's where the healthy for my purpose is comes from. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious, seriously in Georgia, mm -hmm. What is it like, the community, and how receptive are are they to your message? I think Georgia has a very different culture, and there are many cultures in Georgia, and there are many opposing yeah. cultures, unfortunately, yeah. but I yeah. think it's different than in Washington. Yeah, for sure. I think because this is more of the, the you know, the bacon, the hog, the, like the, the certain traditions around Southern lifestyle, I think it's a little more difficult, but I will say that a lot of people are becoming a lot more open now than it's ever been because I think there are so many boots on the ground that are speaking to different audiences. And this is why it's so important that um, we don't all have to be speaking to the same people but we need to find who our audience is and speak to them. And I think because we have so many diversity of, of, of people coming out, um, vegans that look, you know, of different races and different cultures that it's starting to, 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 to they're starting to open up to the message. And I, and I think that's positive. Yeah. And, and I, and, and I, I didn't share this earlier, but I went vegan in Mississippi 
Mm-hmm. I was right. living in oh. Mississippi when wow. I went vegan. Yeah. In 2012, um, there was no whole foods there at the time. Mississippi um, is one of the most unhealthy places in yeah, the United it States. Is. It is. But I'll tell you, um, when I went vegan in Mississippi, um, all of a sudden, you know, I, you know, there were people who, um, who I was able, who I, you know, interacted with, you know, to be able to learn how to be vegan, you know, and, Hmm. and I just had the farmer's market and the Kroger grocery store, and there's a Piggly Wiggly, you know, that, I mean, you could, you could still go vegan in, in Mississippi, um, (laughs) in, in Louisiana, in Arkansas, in all those places. And what I have learned over the 11 plus years I've been vegan and um, in the three plus years Cersei and I have been doing this is that it's very easy to kind of take this generalized populist view of, you know, where's the likelihood, you know, what's the likelihood of someone receiving our message and and just kind of ignore it, you know, and just kind of accept it for what it is. But people are people and each individual and we approach it as an individual kind of message. You know, we're talking to one person at a time, so to speak. And what we find is that, you know, when we reach that one person, they come they come to us. And we know that when we can help that one person, it's not that one person, it's their family, it's their coworkers, it's their church community. Mm -hmm. And then they bring us into their community and then Mm -hmm. we work with them. So it just kind of, you know, multiplies Mm -hmm. and, um, and people, you know, when they understand, when they look at, when they make that switch in their head, you know, we always talk about making the connection, Mm -hmm. Uh, when they make that connection between their faith and their health, um, the whole game, the, the game just completely changes. This becomes really that additional why, when you think about like, why did I go vegan? You know, I went vegan for the animals or I went vegan for the, my health or I went vegan for the environment. Well, this is that, that, or social justice reasons, even this becomes that fifth why for going vegan. I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this because I know the Bible says that my body is a temple. It houses the Holy spirit. And I can't, you know, I can't treat my temple like trash. I can't trash my temple. I have to stop that. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I know that's not what God wants for me. And and people who are really, you know, of deep faith, they know they know what what God is telling them to do and not do. You know, they mm-hmm. know that they get nudged because people like me show up in there, and Cersei shows up in their Facebook feed, or <laughs> you know, or someone tells them about us, and they had already been thinking about it. But this is just that <laughs> other indication that yeah, I need to do something. And so that's pretty exciting. So I I try not to look at, you know the generalized too much, but really mm. hone in on, you know, really just surgically trying to find those people and then just letting it spread. Yeah. Gigi, <laughs> what was your aha moment in Mississippi? Uh, for going vegan? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was, it was the animals. That was my first motivation. I mean, I was having health problems and I started, I actually went vegetarian for health reasons And, Mm -hmm. um, but I was one of those, oh, I can't live without my cheese, you know, person. Mm -hmm. And over the course of six months, I transitioned to a vegetarian diet and I was vegetarian for like maybe a month, you know? Um, and, and then I watched two documentaries back to back. It was forks over knives and earthlings. 
And I walked into the kitchen and my husband was, I don't know, at his laptop. I was like, honey, I'm going vegan. (laughs) (laughs) And so he was like, okay, I'll do it with you. He had been having some health issues and he knew about the work of Dr. Dean Ornish and and, uh, and so he was, he was kind of moving in that direction anyway. And this was just kind of the tipping point he needed any. So we've been, we've been vegan since July, 2012 and haven't looked back. Brilliant. This is my 35th anniversary month. Of wow. Being vegan. And I was vegetarian a lot longer. And I actually went vegan in Israel because I was working for an Israeli company at the time. And I wow. thought, this is the moment I'm ready and, and I'm, it'll be easier to do it when I'm alone a lot and eating on my own and nobody, (laughs) nobody has to hassle me. And plus in Israel, they, especially back then, they knew what was in the food. A lot of places they don't know what's in the food, but they know when there's dairy and they know when there's meat because of the, the kosher rules. So it was, and, and now it's, I think uh, one of the most popular places for veganism, veganism yeah. is thriving there. They, uh, they, they even have a black vegan community that migrated there from America too. It's amazing. It's very interesting. I like to say <laughs> there will always be hummus. Yeah. <laughs> it's the great uniter of foods. I mean, hummus yes, just unites yes. everybody. So, it does. Yeah. It is the great uniter of foods. Yes. Okay. How does it work? What do you do? Do you go to a church and you present a program? We we actually are are in the process of booking speaking engagements with different churches about the book um, just to get the word out to them. But, you know, a lot of our um, the way that we reach people is, you know, through Facebook, through social media. Mm. Um, we've got a, a Facebook group called Daniel Fast, A Bridge to Healthy Living um, with over 10,000 members in it. Um, and then we've got a recipe website called danielsplate.com, um, with healthy whole food, plant-based, no oil recipes. It, I mean, it has like nuts and seeds and avocados. That's kind of the healthy plant fats, but, um, but it's a no oil, no added sugar, everything sweetened with fruit, um, and super healthy. And, and so it's through our Facebook group and our email subscribers that we reach them and, you know, we've got some different programs. You know, we've got a five-day healthy Christian woman boot camp, which is very power-packed and life-changing for a lot of people who go through it. And um, and then from there, if they want to continue, we've, uh, we also have a four-week uh, course um, that, you know, you can get lifetime access to and it's interactive as well. So, um, yeah. you know, kind of of a group coaching type model. Yeah. But we always tell people, if you're curious, start with the five-day Healthy Christian Woman Boot Camp because we really guide you through um, really a self-reflective process of combining your faith and your food. You know, on day one, we talk about why it's important to have a God-centered self-image when it comes to your health. On day two, we talk about this big one that I think holds a lot of people back is breaking our addiction to food. And then on day three, we talk about breaking generational patterns of poor health because a lot of people are like, well, my mom had this and I that have this, so I'm destined to have this. And so we talk about the truth behind that and how to break generational patterns of poor health. Um, and then on day four, we talk about the courage to take action, um, you know, how to put 
your money where your mouth is, right? How to move past what you think you want to do to be able to do it. And then on the last day, we talk about your health is your wealth. And we talk about what Gigi kind of alluded to with some of the um, financial gains in the industry that's playing you in this system um, and how you have to ask yourself, do you want to play in this system or do you want to be free, you know, overall and for your health and make a difference for the, for the world? Hmm. The generational impact, I think, is probably the most profound. Mm. We're all influenced by addiction and what we're manipulated to consume, all cultures, but I, specifically the Black community in the United States and with slavery and what happened afterwards. Mm. It's it's difficult to kind of, um, I don't know, but mm -hmm. I'm imagining after generations, there are just things that are accepted and and also things that you want to believe are part of you your culture and and mm -hmm. holidays and family and and those things are important and then you find out oh this isn't good for me and this wasn't what we initially created for ourselves mm -hmm. and our well-being that's that's a big one well yeah. yeah and i think i think it's the way the way you look at it too because a lot of times people assume that traditions are law you know there's this legalistic mentality around them and the reality is is that they don't have to be that way you know traditions can be altered but still honor the tradition you know mm -hmm. it's just how you're preparing the food you know like i always use the example of collard greens cuz i you know i'm biracial and you know um when when i would go to the house of an African-American relative, for example, um, it was cooked to death with, you know, with some sort of ham hock, you know, loaded with salt. And, um, and it would just be, you know, it would, that would be collard greens. But, you know, when, when you eat it on a plant-based diet, you're, first of all, you're not cooking it to death because you still want to keep as much of the nutrient density as you can. <laughs> And you season it with things like smoked paprika and onions and garlic and spices. And it's still super delicious, super tasty. You're still honoring the tradition of having collard greens. You're just making it in a different, healthy way. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, when the reason why tying in the, the scripture piece and the Bible piece is so powerful is because when you really look at the, look at the word of God and you um, you meditate on it and you make that connection, you know, that connection again, all of a sudden that family tradition doesn't become quite as important because, you know, the question comes down to, okay, do I continue down this path of high blood pressure, heart attack, dying at 50, mm -hmm. like my mom did, my grandmother did. And then my, my, my daughter following suit, you know, mm -hmm. or do I adjust my, my quote unquote tradition so that I break this chain of bad health in my family so that mm -hmm. I can live to be 90, a hundred or whatever. Mm -hmm. And my daughter can grow up and live a long, healthy life. You know, that's the choice you end up making. Is that tradition really worth, you know, worth that or not? And so I think when people are rational about it, the tradition becomes, okay, I'm going to change this tradition. <laughs> Or enhance it. How about that? Elevate yeah. it. <laughs> Elevate it. Yes, I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There are good things about traditions, and sometimes there are not so good things. Right. I mean, traditions. slavery was a tradition for white people in the South. You know, they, they call it, you know, and, it's like. 
and they used the Bible to they did condone yeah. it. They did. They did. Yeah. Yeah. So we can make better interpretations. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that are better for all of us. Okay. You wrote this book and did you learn anything while putting this together that you didn't quite have before or was it all obvious and clear? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think for me, cause I'm a, I'm a nutritionist by training. Um, that's my background. And um, for me, writing the nutrition part of it was something that I was very familiar with, you know, um, the science piece of it, the business piece of it. But the part that was more of a learning for me was when, when I was writing the sections of the book pertaining to food and nutrition was weaving in stories from the Bible that were applicable to what I was talking about. And that was really good learning for me um, as a Christian in terms of really connecting the Bible to the nutrition science part of it. Um, and mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that process of, mm -hmm. of doing that and learning about it. Um, so that was, the, that was for me, but I don't know, Cersei. If you uh, for me, I really um, just solidified because I think, you know, we have been building this message for three years. And, and I think the book really um, solidified this idea that we're of the, the whole concept of Daniel being in the Bible and refusing the King's diet. It just made 2023 illuminate to me in the sense that we have to refuse the King's diet in 2023. And so I just really developed a, a, a deeper passion around that particular message to say, you know, how can we be a Daniel in modern times? It's pulling out something that you read all the time, but saying, wait a minute, I could be a Daniel in my own life and I could refuse the standard American diet. I can refuse the King's diet and I can mm -hmm. be 10 times healthier. You know, when you look at the, the 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 studies, Gigi pulled a lot of them out from the Seventh Day Adventists that were plant based. All the studies that they used to use to prove a lot of some of the um, scientific articles was the way that they ate, and they are ten times healthier than the rest of the population. So we have the living proof. Just when you look at it, but I feel like all of us, we all have to refuse the King's diet, and so that's what kind of gave me some some joy there. <laughs> What are the recipes that you include in the Daniel fast? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the recipes uh, right now, our website, danielsplate.com is loaded with over a hundred recipes um, that are considered Daniel fast recipes. They're things like, um, you know, sweet and smoky black eyed peas and greens. We've got, um, we've got, you know, Asian noodle salad, we've got salad in a jar recipes, Southwestern salad in a jar. We've got, um, lots of different oat based recipes, you know, baked carrot cake, baked oatmeal, for example. Um, there, you know, it's, it's pretty, um, extensive and, and, but it's all healthy. It's all whole plant food. We even, we even occasionally have a few like TikTok trend recipes yeah. in there like girl <laughs> the dinner <laughs> the mocktails you know, the so. mocktails we've got some yeah. mocktail recipes um the girl dinner is actually one of my favorites um it's basically just like a like a crude tape platter you know like with raw veggies and some nuts and olives and um 
you know, it's just like this, it's it, the girl dinner concept, you know, it's just cleaning out the fridge of whatever you have. And that's what you eat for dinner. And it's, it's really, I mean, almost limitless in terms of what you can eat while doing the Daniel fast. A lot of people are surprised at how good they feel just after two days of doing it, two or three days. And, and really the goal is to get people to not be afraid of not eating meat and dairy and eggs, you know, that's really kind of the, the goal of, especially with our healthy Christian woman boot camp. over the five days, they're doing this Daniel fast. And, um, and so it's really eye-opening to people at not only how good they feel, but how satisfied they feel, um, as long as they're eating enough, it does, you know, you do have to educate people on, on portion sizes, because a lot of times, you know, you're, you, you go, you go somewhere, even at home, you make a salad. It's on that little saucer plate, you know, with some iceberg lettuce and mushy tomatoes. So we just completely break the paradigm around that. And salads are just these huge, like mixing bowl size salads with yeah. a rainbow of veggies and some lentils <laughs> or beans. And they're just so healthy, so satisfying, extremely filling and um and healthy and good for yeah. you so it's eat better not less eat but... better not less yeah mm, i love yeah. big food <laughs> big salads mm -hmm. and 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 you know and, and a lot of times too people will say well you know it's it's you know people trying to eat a plant-based diet do they follow through or do they kind of fall off the wagon when they're when you're trying to introduce somebody to the plant-based diet and um Dr. Greger talks about a study that they did actually in the cells where they had people do a plant-based diet for 30 days and they called it vegan. And then they had um, people, because it's the Bible belt. So they called, they asked the people of the same Bible belt people to do it, but called it the Daniel fast. And what they found is that they had 99% compliance when the people did it and labeled it the Daniel fast. Why? Wow. Because they were connecting their faith to their food. Whereas when they just thought as a vegan diet, they fell off the wagon very instantly. And that's the perfect example of the power of connecting people's core values with their food choices. Yeah. Okay. That is really yeah. profound because that was going to be my next question because <laughs> I know of many programs and I've interviewed people who have had them where they work with people and after three weeks, three months, whatever, mm -hmm. they go home and they fall off because their friends aren't doing it. You know, they're just tired and they don't want to start making right. things. So they go out fast food. It's just there. The access is easy yeah. and they, and they lose it. So that's really profound. Because you're getting a why that is anchored in your soul. That's a different why than mm -hmm. I'm just doing it for to lose five pounds. Because you know, sometimes it's a fad, or I'm just doing it because I want to try it. But when you can anchor your why in the most center core part of your values of who you are, because let's face it, a lot of times when you think of your faith, it is so simultaneous with your identity that it's hard to shift it. And so if you can merge those two together with my faith and what I'm choosing to put in my mouth and that they're linked, it's an unbreakable chain. I am going to marinate on that for a while. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> I think it's wonderful what you're doing. And I hope you attract a very big community. The Christian community is there waiting and needs you. Mm -hmm. And it's big. And there's plenty of 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just ready-made. Mm-hmm. The, the people are there, the venues are there, and they they need this message. But then, personally, I am not a religious person, mm-hmm. and there are many people who aren't. Right. And And I'm just wondering, what is that spiritual missing link to get people who don't have this religious factor to get that message as well. That's not for you. You already have your work cut out for you. (laughs) I'm just thinking out loud here about how I might use that information. Let us know what what you come up with. Because, yeah. (laughs) I I don't know if you know this, but 17 years ago, I was diagnosed with advanced ovarian cancer and I had Mm -hmm. a 10 to 20% survival rate and I should be dead. That's another story. But after I got through all of that and realized what it was I needed to do, and some of it was spiritual and some of it was dietary, I had already been vegan for a long time, but I improved my diet quite a bit since then. Sometimes I coach people who are going through a health crisis. And one of the first things I ask them is, do you want to live? And from the answer that I get, I know if they're going to make it or not. Mm. So there is this, there's something here There's something about that, living and wanting yeah. to live and what yeah. is your connection to life in yeah. this life yes yes there's something powerful there yeah 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 mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah okay i like that uh so we have the food and that's the most important thing because if you can get delicious things in people's mouths and they don't think they're going to be deprived I think the rest is easy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, maybe not so easy, but easy. It's a good starting point because yeah. people sometimes, you know, and Gigi, you could talk a little bit about this. They automatically think just because I try something one time it is not. We have to remember that these foods that we're that we're used to are are packed with oil, sugar, preservatives. So it's hijacking our palate. And so when yeah. we take real fresh food, our instinct is, oh, it's not that. But no, it's not that it's not that great. You have to give your palate some time to recalibrate mm. from all of the, you know, basically the, the meddling that has been done by these processed foods. And if you give it time, you're, you're going to find it's the opposite. That when you start to eat stuff that are oily and salty and junky, you're going to be like, oh, no, I, I, I don't like this. And so it's about teaching people that our palate has a mind of its own that you have to give it time to reform itself. Yeah. Okay. So your book is going to be a great resource, but aside from that, or maybe it's recommended in the book videos, films that people can watch. So you mentioned a few already, but have you seen they're trying to kill, kill us and the invisible vegan? Yes. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Yeah. We saw, we saw both of those. Um, and I, we're looking forward to they're trying to kill us to actually come out because you know we got an advanced copy of it um, because of our support early on when they were right. making the yeah, film. Yeah, I bought the film and I'm not quite sure where it's at. Do you know? Yeah, it's it's not really available at the moment, but I think what you know when I looked at the Instagram account of of John Lewis or or they're trying to kill us Instagram, I think they mentioned that they're still working to get it out there. And but they're mm. having some resistance with a few of the sponsors oh. because it makes them look bad. So I'm not sure who those sponsors are. 
<laughs> that was just it was I'm not quoting it. I'm just kind of sure. paraphrasing generally. Right. So um, but hopefully they'll get that that movie out because more people definitely need to see it. Um, in the meantime, what what we've been doing with our boot camp for people who sign up is we walk them through those connections. So we educate them on business models and we show that link between um, chronic disease, dependence on um, pharmaceuticals. Um, we show the link between, you know, lobbying money of different drug companies and different medical companies back to politicians on both sides of the aisle and, um, you know, show how, what a big money maker it is. Um, and then that's where, you know, people are either going to be really, you know, pissed off quite frankly, and say, you know, I don't want to be a part of this and I don't, I got to get out of this. I don't want this to be, you know, my life. And so they get mad enough, <laughs> you know, where they're just like, I got to, I'm going to try something different. Um, and, and so, you know, we try to shed light on it in a way, but also, you know, tie it back to, and by the way, you know, this is what, you know, when you go back to Genesis 129, um, that was kind of God's perfect design for us before sin entered the world, you know, was to eat plants um, and animals were to eat plants, you mm -hmm. know, animals weren't eating other animals back then. The design was everybody ate plants, you know, mm -hmm. an animals and people. And um, as soon as sin entered the world, all that changed. But, you know, when people really take that to heart and then link it to their to their to their calling in life, mm -hmm. um, you know, all the all the evidence points in the direction, go vegan, go whole food, plant based <laughs> vegan. You know, it's like, I don't want to be played anymore by a system playing me. You know, it's connected to what the mm -hmm. Bible says. You know, I feel good when I do it, you know, and so it, and then when you start running into those daily obstacles, you know, it, it becomes a little more tolerable to figure it out. You know, OK, I'm, I'm in the middle of Louisiana. True story for me. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing a bike race in the middle of Louisiana, you know, I, I need some food. And for me, I just go to Wendy's and just order four baked potatoes. <laughs> and it's like, just cause I need potassium, you know, the carbs to, to, to fuel me. And then I, you know, when I get to a place where I can eat a proper meal, I do, but it's just, you know, you figure it out. It doesn't become a, um, an insurmountable obstacle, you know, it just becomes a mild inconvenience that you figure out, you deal with it and you move on. Yeah. A baked potato is a very healthy food. Very. Yeah. It's got I vitamin four, C, I, iron, all kinds of great things in it. Absolutely. And I eat four of them. <laughs> so. Do you talk about gardening or farming? And I ask that because when we talk about the government and we talk about history, uh, especially here in the United States, I, I know the African-American community had a tremendous amount of knowledge in farming mm -hmm. and the government did not make it easy for many of them to transition to own their own farms. And it still goes on today in terms of securing loans for farms. The, there's a lot of um, discrimination there. Yeah, I, I, I would say I'm not as knowledgeable about the business impact of it. I do know that there's definitely a trend in the Black community to have your own garden at home. 
mm-hmm. um, not necessarily as a business adventure. And I know that, and we've um, interviewed on our podcast, a gentleman who um, is specifically a, a black gentleman who specifically focuses on gardening in small places. So if you're in a, like an apartment or a small mm-hmm. house with a little bit of land, like he specializes in more container type food growing. And, um, and so we are very supportive of any kind of gardening that you do at home. I mean, not just for, for food and, you know, healthy food sources, but also just the movement part of it and the working in the garden and getting away from Netflix and, you know, all of that to just get out there and touching nature, um, growing your own food and, um, you know, getting that exercise in the process. So we're huge fans and supporters of that. Did you say that the Daniel fast normally occurs in January? Yeah. For a lot of churches, that's when it typically, some churches will do it, you know, throughout, like they'll do it like in April or July or something, but most, I would say over 90% of them will do it in January. Well, I'm thinking of January. That's what this is. Yep. And then Veguary. Yeah. Are you familiar with the African Society's Veguary? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think that's a, a great connect. You may have already spoken with Brenda Sanders. No, no. Okay. No, well, you spoken. need to because, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because they have this veguary program. So it follows veganuary, but it has a Afro vegan focus. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Daniel fast would just yeah. fit right in there. Yeah. We, we kind of look at it as a, the, the Daniel fast is a, like a, a faith-based veganuary Yeah, is mm-hmm. really kind of what the way we've been viewing it and articulating it to, to people who are trying to figure out what we're doing. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> is there anything we didn't talk about? Anything you want to include that we didn't cover? I don't think so. I I would say, you know, the big thing is get the book, Daniel Fast, Why You Should Only Do It Once. Um, If this intrigues you and you want, you know, more interaction, you want to want to go through the five day healthy Christian woman boot camp that we've got coming up in January. That's a huge one. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not a big ticket item. Um, You know, it's under $50. Uh, for all five days and you get the resources you need. Um, We go live every single night for five days and very interactive. Um, There's homework. So there's accountability, um, lots of learning, a whole bunch of aha moments. Let's just say, you know, that emoji with the, with the head blowing off the top. That's what people's reactions are when they go through that boot camp. It's very mind blowing um, just because it's different and, something that nobody else is doing right now. Thank you. I have really enjoyed hearing your stories and hearing about your work. I'll say it again. It is so very needed. So Darcy Blue and Gigi Carter, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing and for joining me today on It's All About Food. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. All right, go forth and do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you again. All right. Okay. Bye. That was Cersei Blue and Gigi Carter, the co-authors of the new book, Daniel Fast, Why You Should Only Do It Once, and that'll be out very soon. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. I'm Karen Hartglass. You've been listening to It's All About Food. 
You can find me at responsibleeatingandliving.com and send comments and questions to me at info at realmeals.org. We have many recipes at responsibleeatingandliving.com for you. I put this out there from time to time. If there's a particular recipe that isn't vegan that you like, that's a family tradition or just something you crave from time to time and you don't know how to veganize it, that's what we're here for. So you can let me know and I'll take a try at it. Take a stab at it. (laughs) Can I put it that way? Thanks for listening. Thanks for caring. Thanks for being with me on this journey, eating a whole food plant diet, eating a cruelty-free good for the planet, good for our bodies diet. I've been doing it for 35 years, as I mentioned before. It's something to celebrate. So let's do that. Have a delicious week, everybody.